Welcome everybody to Talking Elite. On tonight's episode, we are talking everything good, bad, and the ugly of the gimmicks during the golden era of professional wrestling. There was some great gimmicks everywhere from the Macho Man to the Hulkster to Andre the Giant, but there was also some meh, some stinkers, and why do they even do this? So, I have assembled the best wrestling panel possible for this episode. First, he is the Colorado man. He is the five-star man himself, Mr. Jacobs. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me back on the Elite Zone. This is this is really a topic that I really I'm really ready to dive into because uh like I said before, before you know we started the cast, I didn't want to date myself, but uh, I was I was there at this point in time. So it's gonna be fun. Somebody hand Mr. Jacobs some Viagra. And make sure he gets his prostate checked because you know he is he is me showing his age tonight. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Next, Bye. <laughs> we have the Bubba to my Devon, the Triple H to my Shawn Michaels, the Butch to my Bushwhacker. He is everybody's favorite Tennessee wonder. He is the bearded wonder himself, Adam. Hello. Yes, very excited. Uh, I was at the tail end of the 80s, so I'm showing my age too, like Mr. Jacobs, but I, I kind of remember a majority of everything from the 80s, of the golden age of wrestling <laughs> with gimmicks and stuff. So I was not even a thought bubble, so I'm sorry for making you guys feel old. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Lane. <laughs> It's it, it's okay, Adam. You know, uh, time we get this done, you can easily go and get your senior citizen discount at the movie theater. No, I'm already getting I'm already getting AARP emails, so it's fine. Don't forget to sign up for special. that annuity life insurance policy. Make sure you have that as well. Help! Damn. I fall and I can't get out. He's <laughs> got life alert in the mail too. So. <laughs> life alert's on its way. Life alert for it's on its way. <laughs> And finally, it would not be the All Elite Zone podcast without our producer, our wonderful friend. He is everybody's favorite CM Punk fan and our good friend and yours. Please welcome producer Connor to the show. It uh, should be a good one. Uh, we've already started off to a uh, pretty uh, hot run, uh, which we're going we're gonna to run wild in this episode. Uh, what you going to do when Connor runs goal, wild man. through you? So we're gonna run wild and uh, yeah, this should be a really good one. Oh man, yeah. for those of you guys that don't know, uh Mr. Jacobs passionately, passionately hates Hulk Hogan. With a great you know, passion. With a great passion. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the dark side of the ring episode, uh, I would really strongly go recommend watching the Hulkster um that was probably one of the best episodes we've done because it was just a hour and a half burial of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, it was so, it was so fun. <laughs> it was. I'd do it again if I if I got a chance. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a part two down the road because hey, the more that he says on podcasts, the more content we give. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's exactly. a bad thing. I think Hogan should just keep going, and you know, it's crazy. You know, he the is content in is a lot content. Of- Think about it. Ric Flair, right, has has a, had a lot 
worse things happened to his body. He's almost died like twice. But man, at least he admits to his faults. Hogan just keeps changing True. his own history. I don't know who's worse about that, Vincent Man or Hulk Hogan. Hulk is Hulk is the worst, definitely. Mm-hmm. Vince at least Vince at least you know eventually come out and say what's what's going on. But Hulk, he he just he just goes with the lie. Don't forget, he wrestled four hundred days in a year. All that time flying back <laughs> between Japan. Impossible. And yeah, this is your Metallica. <laughs> right. Oh, and did you guys know that Hulk Hogan played for the Jackson Five? No one knew this, but he had a big afro. Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan played for the Jackson Five, but there was also an alternate version of the Hogan Five. It was Hogan and uh, Randy Hogan, Hogan, Randy Hogan, and all the little hoagies. Uh, the whole hoagies. Randy Hogan. <laughs> I mean, that name is so long. <laughs> you know, I kind of want to see that now. So hopefully, since AI is just getting more and more popular, we're gonna get Jackson Five songs sung in the style of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. Don't forget Randy Hogan. He, he, he's the biggest part of it. And then you got um, uh, <laughs> she's part of it. You know, I think what's do you guys? I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you guys decide. Do you guys want to start with the good and then work our way all the way to the bad, or do you want to start with the bad right off the bat? Mm. Oh, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> okay, well, since we're trying to decide, Ew, I just, you gotta con- Lane, I was gonna say, Lane, this is this is your baby, so <laughs> this you is decide my- if we're gonna. I mean, we're going to decide yeah. if you want to start with the good, the bad, or the ugly. So I'll let you decide because I'm not well, going to decide. Dang. Yeah, that's well, a good idea. Want, okay, I got <laughs> okay, I got a good equalizer before we jump into the good. So how about a very controversial gimmick slash name change that happened? The Texas Tornado himself, Kerry Von Erich. Okay, so you already have the biggest name in professional wrestling, like one of the biggest names in professional wrestling history, with being a Von Eric. Well, well, the biggest—it's the biggest family name, I would say, in the eighties. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they were they were everywhere in the South. Yeah. But why would you bring him in and not keep him as Von Eric? They were rock stars. Why would you give him the name the Texas Tornado? You already had the lineage; he was popular in the Texas territory. Why would you change his name? I mean, that's that's you know that's Vince McMahon doing the WWF thing. You know, they had to make him marketable, and you know, whenever you go there, you have to go play by their rules. You know, you're gonna get your name changed. You're gonna get it. You know, you're gonna get kind of a redoing of your gimmick. I mean, that's just that's that's just comes with the territory. I mean, they did that to Hulk Hogan. They did that to. You know, they did that to Macho Man because they kind of changed up his style once he got to the WWF because he was like this, this savage before he even got to the WWE or F. And then they kind of, kind of swerved, kind of swerved it into a kind of a different kind of gimmick. And that's just, that's just, you know, the WWE way or the WWF way is that, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to be made marketable to sell, you know, T-shirts and action figures and, you know, what, what have you. I mean, that's just marketing. That's just marketing, basically. 
Yeah, really? especially when, especially in those eighty times when you still had some of the, uh, you know, the the other small promotions like the AWA and Jim Crockett and all that. Like if you're coming over to the WWF, they they got to find a way to get you again marketable, like Mr. Jacob said, and we've talked about uh, in that Vince, uh, Vincent McMahon episode, Lane. It's markability within a name. Um, I mean, you look at it, other sports things. I mean, you look at boxing, every boxer has a surname or, or like a nickname, like Iron Mike Tyson, you know, or uh, the real deal Holyfield. Like you, you see these, you know, and then in MMA today, you see those fighters that have those kind of nicknames, you know. Um, so I think Vince kind of s- looked at that and said, Let, let's give some nicknames to some of these guys. I mean, look at when – Hogan came back in, in NW, NWO and he was Hollywood Hulk Hogan, you know? Uh, so it is a markability thing uh, for sure. You know, it's, it's just crazy to think that, you know, he went from tag team goals with his family and then to, you know, the Texas Tornado. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember a lot of his run as Texas Tornado. Wasn't it brief before he ended up dying? He just wrestled in Texas and was a tornado. Smart ass. <laughs> like, do you guys remember like any big moment with Texas Tornado? It's it's no, he won the intercom. You know what's you know what's funny? You know what's funny is I I believe his his nickname kind of gave birth to the style match of the Texas Tornado match. Mm. Um I I feel like that 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 nickname kind of mm. there's a reason why they, they called him Texas Tornado is because of Texas Tornado, Ivan <laughs> Eric. So it's like it it might be a way of the gimmicky of it, um, the gimmicky name of it. So I don't know, but I can't remember a lot of matches he had as that character. I can't either. Yeah, uh, Connor, either. you were saying that he was he won the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, he uh, did win the Intercontinental Championship. I don't know uh, when, where, how. But, uh, I do a lot of wrestling quizzes. Uh, I know that he won the Intercontinental Championship. I believe he won it right when. Uh, yeah, that is true. He he went when like the Mountie was winning it, and Mr. Perfect. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so it was during that time frame. It was in the Golden Era. It was. Uh, I couldn't tell but, you what year it was, but it was, I do know he just, won. Yeah. I do know he won the Intercontinental Championship only, but only it was, one time, but he won it. But it was around that time frame where. It was basically the workhorse belt. If you were, you know, where it got pretty much got its name, where you were, you know, jobbing or just having those weird matches here and there, and then getting the intercontinental belt. Um, okay, well, let's start with the good. So, talk controversial. Uh, shout out to the Von Eric family. Uh, we are going to do a special on the Von Erics here in December, so it's going to be a lot of fun for that one. Um, so we're going to start working on that here shortly. But I just like to give you guys a little taste because I feel like that was really almost like a rift um, within our family when when Carrie did decide to jump ship to the WWE. Well, I mean, I, you have to think of it at, at this point. It was it's more so about where can you make a profit as a wrestler? Where are you going to make money as a wrestler? So right now, I'm I'm actually watching the show on Netflix called wrestlers on the ovw and um i mean it's it it is seems to be the main focus of their Mm -hmm. show is is money 
like money about, you know, uh, how do you turn a profit at a show? Uh, how are you going to afford, you know, the, the props for, you know, street fights, all this stuff, how are you going to pay the wrestlers? So, so as far as Von Eric going to WWF, it, it was basically a, a money decision, you know, in the smaller promotions, he probably wasn't making much and he need to defeat family, his family. So it, it was basically a, a financial decision. Kind of sad to think that, but at the time, you know, Vince started yeah. pulling talent from all the territories. This is really where the territory started dying. Because think about it, you brought in Hogan, Macho Man, Andre the Giant. You had so many big hits. Uh, when you guys, uh, Hot Rod, Hot Rod. Uh, when you guys think big meat baby, yeah. things, who is the first wrestler that comes to your mind? Biggest baby faces. Mm-hmm. So, uh, probably in that area. Probably. Well, at that time, I think Ultimate Warrior was one of the biggest baby faces. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. I mean, the Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior against the Hulk Hogan. Uh, probably uh, Macho Man Race, that was just a big one, too. So yeah, Dusty at- Rhodes. Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. Rhodes for me. You have to remember, Dusty yeah. Rhodes was still huge in the 80s. Um, in, in, in championship wrestling in Florida. I mean, uh, and then, you know, with his feud with Ric Flair, Rick, I mean, but Ric Flair kind of was like the heel, but as far as baby faces on, on, on other promotions go, Dusty was, was definitely up there as one of the best baby faces in the, in the country, uh, as far as pro wrestling goes in the eighties. It's crazy to think that he got polka dots over. It is, but it's insane. It's insane the way a guy his size at that time, seeing him in the ring, like people were kind of impressed by what he can do in the ring. Um, you know, even some yeah. of his shake, rattle, and roll elbow, like it's just he 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 just really like between him and Junkyard Dog, I, I think with with all that, you know that the Southern wrestling promotions that were down there, him and Junkyard were basically the names down there. So he yeah. really, so Vince McMahon really poached like almost, almost like front, like almost every end of this of the states, and even Canada too. Because for oh yeah, me, you can say that. When I, when I think you know baby faces, there's a tag team that comes to mind. That's the Hart Foundation, especially yeah. with Brett mm. and you know the Anvil. You know, because I think classic tag teams, or even like some of the best wrestling feuds, almost a lot of them involve the Hart Foundation. And Brett really was just basically himself. He, he knew he was the best wrestler. He looked cool. He had the hair, the sunglasses. He made, he sold toys. But I feel like, you know, as a gimmick, like, he really didn't have to do a whole lot to get over. No, and, and it's That's funny, true. too, because it, it, it's really funny because as, as, as far as the Hart family goes, um, it... Like, just the the generational talent in that family is just phenomenal, and it all started in the '80s. You know, with you know Stu Hart training all those kids in the dungeon, you know, up there in Calgary, and it's like the way that they blossomed. Like, it was just—it's very impressive to see a family. You know, we compare them with you know the Von Erics. You know, so it's like those kind of wrestling families that kind of the generational talent that grows from them 
you know so it i mean yeah you really can't deny that in the 80s a lot of uh the hearts were very up there too as as far as marketability and and, and just well-known wrestlers yeah yeah definitely true you know um i think macho man you know another big personality i feel like he had the better personality over you know the hulkster you know, I think I know Hogan had the belt more and had more of the championship run, but I feel like there's more memorable moments with Macho Man, him and Miss Elizabeth. You know? Yeah, uh, one of the main ones I can think of, right. uh, yeah, is uh, yeah, I think he was the better character, you know, and, and the better athlete all around, actually. Like, one of the best ones I can like picture in Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth was uh, when Jake Snake Roberts crashed their wedding. And the snake bit, yeah. uh, and the snake bit Randy Savage. That's one memory that will always live in wrestling history, uh, at least for me. It will. That snake is. You know how many kids were terror were terrified of Jake yeah. Roberts after that night? And then he would like, do promos basically in the dark outside in the woods, and just talking. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. That scared that scared the hell out of me that night. <laughs> it's it, you know he has. I think Jake too. If you want to look at another. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with Jake the Snake, man. He had he had that voice, you know the way he was the way he would speak to you. He he'll talk to your soul as if he was talking right to your soul, and the like the way his cadence and like the way he would the way he would bring out his promos was like it, it was so that you actually thought this man was something was wrong with this dude, you know, <laughs> and at the same time, you know. He was methodical. He was, he was, he, he was, he would systematically go out of his way to get inside of his opponent's heads, and that's one of the things that kind of stuck out to me with Jake the Snake. And when he pulled, when he pulls out Damien, I mean, I remember watching uh, back in the day him, him, you know, him and Yokozuna, and Yokoz, uh, Yokozuna was terrified of the damn snake, <laughs> seeing him seeing, uh, that that. The whole, the whole character was perfect. I, I believe that's probably one of the coolest characters ever as far as a heel was Jake the Snake Roberts. Well, what about the, I mean, to go along with that, not only Yokozuna, there was another big guy that was afraid of that snake, and that was Andre. Do you remember that yeah. battle royal when Jake, he threw the snake in the ring? Andre went over the rope. He eliminated mm. himself because he wanted to be in the ring with the snake. <laughs> I don't that, remember the, this. That's, yeah, I remember that. Such a great, <laughs> uh, there's so many good memories. And we talk about wrestlers. Which is weird because I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but we talk about I know we're talking about individuals because the thing that I was looking forward to talking tonight, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, Lane, please stop me if I am. But the topic for me that's good, the good and the bad from the golden age of the 80s was promotions, was all the different promotions in the 80s. Yeah. That is true. Um, actually, to be honest, the I didn't even have that really on the list for a night. So let's dive into that. Let's uh, let's add this into our segment, Mr. Adam. So, what was like so for you? Like, what was like the best promotions aside from the WWF? Like, what for real? Like, what good promotions and things that were happening during that time frame stood out to you? Well, I mean, you got to remember the NWA was still going strong. Yep. Um, the NWA literally, mm-hmm. you know, still had the likes of Ric Flair, uh, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Junkyard Dog coming in their promotion. Um, they even had appearances by, you know, Jerry Lawler. Um, but Jerry Lawler was with, you know, Continental, uh, wrestling association 
And that was a time when he was feuding with uh, comedian Andy Kaufman, you know? So, um, but not only the NWA, but you had the AWA, uh, the American Wrestling Association, um, had uh, their champion, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, was a, was a four-time AWA champion, you know? I mean, that's a name you could think. Uh, Gene o- Okerlund and Bobby Heenan were talents there. Um, that's where Hogan came from. Hogan came from mm-hmm. AWA. Um, and then it's funny yeah. because uh, th- that's where they coined the phrase dusty finishes in <laughs> matches was AWA. Right. And uh, it- it's so funny because also because you had um, basically one of the most well-known wrestlers kind of like as a head honcho there, and that's Vern Gagne. Vern Gagne was kind of like a head down there in the AWA um, back in the eighties. And so it was really crazy. And then you have the precessor to WCW, which was WCCW uh, world-class championship wrestling. I mean, that's the precessor to WCW back in the eighties. I mean, there, that's where the Von Erich family, like pretty much ruled when they went, they went to world champion, world-class championship wrestling. They feuded with Gary Hart um, with his crew Um Right. And then, yeah, you know, and then it, it literally though that like the WCCW actually, if you think about it, was kind of the precursor WCW and kind of competed with WWF in the earlier times. So I mean, and again, that's why a, 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 a culminates to the whole fact that all these guys, wrestlers that we talk about, started these promotions, but they got picked up by Vince McMahon in WWF. Yeah, look at look at you know all the look at the things that happened in Japan too. Because think about it. you had Hulk Stern wrestling for New Japan for wrestling. You had Andre the rest, you know, Andre the Giant wrestling for New Japan, and have these two, but basically were the biggest characters, biggest personalities, biggest guys, literally in life, and to be like your, the centerfold of your company, like it, it it when you think classic wrestling, like. You automatically think of Hogan body slamming Andre. You think of the bigger, fortunately as well. You also think about the roided out wrestlers as well. Because we're talking about yeah, promotions, uh, and I live uh, basically in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I live like uh, 15, 20 minutes. I could just walk to Memphis if I wanted to. Uh, Adam talked about it. Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. That was a big, 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 big thing. Uh, one of the Jerry Laws Bar and Grill just, just uh, recently, and they have the uh, the neck brace that he wore uh, in like a uh, like a glass sealed thing that they have, uh, and that was a big deal because Jerry Lawler actually beat him up on a talk show one time. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but uh, it was it was like, David Letterman. David, yeah, because I, I remember it was on one of them, and he like that was a big thing, and. Uh, Memphis wrestling was a yeah. Just about everyone started out in Memphis. Hulk Hogan, uh, Randy Savage, uh, Kurt Angle started out in Memphis. The Rock. Uh, then they also had some guys that people may not know, but uh, uh, Doug Gilbert and Eddie Gilbert. You have the fabulous ones. You have the Rock mm-hmm. and Roll Express. Um, superstar Bill Dundee, which I don't expect everyone to know who these people are, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Memphis wrestling, everyone likes to say, like when you think of Memphis wrestling, it's all Jerry Lawler, but uh, there's a lot of bigger names in Memphis than Jerry Lawler. There was uh, uh, 
Oh, who was who was the guy that shaved? Uh, who was the one that shaved Jerry Lawler's head? Um, I know who it was. I know I know who you're talking about. I can't I can't for the oh. life of me remember. I'm going to Google it now. I, I know Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler. I know I know the name. Something with my tongue. Because uh, there was like there was a big. It might have been Bill Dundee actually. Yeah. Well, well, Jeff. Well, Jeff Jarrett's dad ran. Yeah. Ran, yeah. uh, helped run a little bit of Memphis, didn't he? Yeah, run, run the Memphis wrestling. And uh, okay. let's see. Um, do, 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 do. Let's see. I was trying to see. But there was, uh, and my grandpa would tell me stories about. Yeah, that time I believe he. Uh, yeah, that time he was running it. Oh, it was Austin Idol. Austin Idol, that's it. Austin Idol. He oh, beat Jerry. He beat yeah. Jerry Lawler, and he shaved his head. And then, that name, that name, just wow! Lost an idol. Like I actually went to AEW in uh, 2020 when they came to South Tampa, Mississippi, and I got to meet Austin Idol. He was there for AEW. That's, that's an old school name, right there. Uh, that is, my, yeah. What my grandpa would tell me all his story because he went to uh, you know Memphis Wrestling at the Mid South Coliseum, and he would tell me that around that story that there was people literally throwing beer balls out the ring, throwing everything they could because <laughs> they hated Austin Idol, like they hated him. Uh, just, uh, it was a, I wish I could live through those times because, uh, we went through something like that, like the whole crowd hating someone with the past, literally wanting to, they probably would have beat him up. They would have saw him outside the, <laughs> outside the Coliseum. Cause what last time we had somebody that happened was what MJF versus Cody. Was it the last time we literally had hate like that in a ring? When was Seth Rollins? I think thing? so. When the fan, uh, remember the fan that jumps with Rollins or whatever? Yeah. That was. Yeah. I know, uh, you were talking about that, that a fan threw a drink at MJF. Yeah. I think the other one would be like Matt Cardona when he, um, won the championship against Nick Gage. That's the other, like, I guess, most recent big heated moment where people were throwing beer bottles, razors, knives. Pizza cutters. It, it's cra- It's crazy to think how real wrestling was too during the little era too. Those fans like, are not happy. <laughs> yeah, because you know if you look at it, you also had you know Undertaker. You know he came around, mm-hmm. and his his whole like debut with you know with Brother Love, you know, which is a very interesting yeah. combination for sure. Um, I don't know much about the Brother Love character, but I do know I do love Undertaker, but. Um, what was the concept of Broyer Love? Like, how, like, what was his managing kind of character? Uh, I think the concept, the concept of it was he was this. Uh, well, the, the, the say they couldn't use religion, so they used love instead of God, or you know. So he would just say, "I love you," instead of you know, "God bless you" or whatever. But the, the whole the whole point of it was that these. Because at the time, in the 80s, televangelists were huge. They were big. I mean, big time. And, of course, WWE capitalizing off of everything, or WWF, they they made a character named Brother Love. And the whole, and like his face was red, like he'd been preaching all day. And, I mean, it, personally, I thought it was a cool character. But there are a lot of people on, you know, that were Christian out there that kind of felt it, it was kind of blasphemous. Or sacrilegious, and I can't argue with that. But you know, 
it's wrestling, you know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's wrestling. You got a dead man walking around. I mean, come on, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta suspend disbelief, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and and it's funny because Bruce Pritchard, like Mr. Jacob said, it, he took a, a, the the inspiration from the televangelists. You know, people like Jim Baker back in the you know Oral Roberts, and then you know he said his biggest one is I mean, and Lane, you're in Texas, yeah. you might know this name, Robert Tilton. Um, who was a former pastor of the uh, World of Faith yeah. Family Church in Dallas, um, in the suburb of Dallas back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so that was a big one. But like, mm -hmm. again, it's the gimmicky thing. It's what's hot right now. What can we use as, as a gimmick that's hot right now? Um, you know, you look at all the villains that right. Hogan had to fight in his career. They were all foreign. You know, the Iron Sheik, you know, even Andre, he's from the mm -hmm. Alp, Great Alps of France. You know, he wasn't from the U.S. So, like, it it, it was all the gimmicks. And so, I, and I think it was just something Vince and Bruce Pritchard just came up. They're like, let's do it. Right. Did you guys think that he was the right pick to manage Undertaker for his first, you know, couple matches? Or do you think it should have been Paul Bear from the start? I think it was the right call. I mean, Bruce Pritchard at that time, I think he was almost like a shoe-in as far as like writing and producing backstage. Um, I think he had a foot in. So it's like mm -hmm. I, I felt like it was his job, like polar opposite of what it was, was you're going to have a televangelist bring out a guy who's supposed to be like the dead man. Like, but you're a preacher character so you're like this guy came back from the dead because god loves him or something like that you know but it works it told a story i love the transition from brother love to right. paul bearer um because it changed the whole dynamic of the manager wrestler uh duo so i think brother love was a good start it was a little out of place but it worked yeah that makes sense now i'm looking at it now like if, i feel like it makes a lot more sense talking about it right so I was able to uh, – so my grandpa gave me these pictures, and I was okay. able to – I'm going to pull them up. Uh, we were talking about Austin Idol, and I thought these would be pretty cool to share. All right, let's uh, share. Here's one where uh, <laughs> Jerry Law is getting his hair cut off by uh, – I believe that might be Jeff Jarrett right there in the blue. Is that Jeff Jarrett or Jerry Jarrett? It's one of the two. It, it looks – I think, I think so. it's too young. I think it's oh, it too like older Jeff, to be Jared. Jeff. It might yeah. be a young Jeff. It kind of looks like it looks like, like Jerry. One of them are his Austin Idol, <laughs> and then uh, Power Driver hmm. with uh, Jerry Lawler. Uh, this is a steel cage match. This isn't like the steel cage matches <laughs> you see today. Like those were like it's a steel cage. Wasn't it meant to keep people actually out instead of escaping? Like. I know WWE doesn't escape, but weren't they more used for a weapon and to keep tag teams and other people out from interfering? Basically, yeah. You know, since we're speaking about steel cages, let's talk about the first person to jump off of a steel cage in the WWF. Jimmy Snuka. Yeah. Uh -oh. That was a moment in history right there. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I think the character was awesome. Um, I think it was a cool, you know, the 
But yeah, no, that moment is just, it's crazy to think that he was the first person. He wasn't in the first steel cage match, but he, he definitely was the first one to jump off of it. I mean, because mm-hmm. a lot of people, it's, it was, I believe, King Kong, Bundy, and Hogan in the first cage match. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. second match was the Jimmy Snickle one where he jumped off. Um, but I love the original concept of the steel cage match where it wasn't the you have to escape the steel cage. It's more so we keep people out of it and you two just fight. Um, it was more so of containment than yeah. trying to get away from your opponent. You know, it's like... It's like no one's going to interfere. That's how it was back in the 80s. You know, that's I think that's what mm-hmm. made it more exciting because, you know, obviously you see today all the, you know, heels have all these friends who come in and try to screw the, the baby face, you know, and that's how they did it back then. But instead of helping the heel get out of the cage and contain the face in the cage back in the 80s, it was to keep all the heels friends out so the heel had no chance of getting the advantage on the baby face. So I think that's why the original concept of the steel cage I, I like better than what they do now with it. I agree. Because look at, look at looking back, look at Carrie Von Eric versus Ric Flair. Yeah, I agree you know, with that, that was, also. That was like I think the oldest steel cage match I've watched, one of the oldest matches I've watched with the steel mm-hmm. cage. And that one just the blow off made a lot of sense with how you know, big of a heel Ric Flair was back then. And just to see, like, it was that story. Like, Horace, there's been a lot better still cage matches, like, match-wise. But story-wise, it was, it, it made sense to be in a steel cage. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because, I mean, like, because the, the, way, the way the story was going, I mean, it had to have led up to a point to where, okay, we're going to put you in the ring. We're going to surround you, you know, with the cage around you so that you have no other choice but to duke it out. No other choice. Ain't no getting in, ain't no getting out. You're going to fight. And somebody's going to somebody's gonna be walking out of there. One person will. I mean, I, to me, like Mark said, I mean, uh, not Mark, but uh, like Adam said, uh, I, it, I feel like that's that that made it more compelling to watch. Whenever it's not about getting out, it's about making sure nobody else comes in, so you can, so they can just duke it out, just these two, and see who's the better man. I mean, to me, that's that's that was the whole point of it all. Because when do they add escaping the cage, like to be part of the match? Nineties, I want to say, like the the early mid ninety cage matches. It was that's when they kind of introduced it. Mm. Uh but even then, like it was a rarity where they decided you have to escape to win. Yeah. More so of just keeping containment. It wasn't, I don't think, until '97 when they did Hell in a Cell is when they really took the the idea of well, Hell in a Cell is meant to keep people out in those two ends. So why don't we flip it and say the cage you can try to escape? So I want to say somewhere in the '90s is where that idea of keeping the two competitors in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus the idea is to pin, submit, or escape. Okay. Fair enough for sure. Um, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's start talking about some of the big guys that really, really kind of stood out. You know, look, going back to kind of like Yokozuna. 
you know, it's so crazy to think Yokozuna wasn't actually Japanese, that he was just a big Samoan. No. Wasn't he, isn't he the biggest wrestler yeah. to date that they're wrestling in the WWE ring? Probably so. I believe so. Uh, I mean, he's the heaviest WWF champion in the history of the company, <laughs> so I know that for sure. Fair. Because so, when he first won the title, he wasn't he was yeah. big, but then later <laughs> on, he was he got even huger. Because I believe if you watch the documentary that they uh they that they had him go to the University of UCLA to basically uh, lose some weight because you know it's about his life, you know, more than about wrestling because he's being winded in like in matches, he he would get winded yeah. very fast. And one of the stories I think we last had on here that he had someone sneaking burgers inside the UCLA <laughs> so he could eat. Uh, why he was trying to lose weight. Uh, he came yeah, back. I've heard and that he story too. Never. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend watching that documentary of the Yokozuna on Peacock. Uh, Yokozuna was definitely one of the kind. Uh, and they were all the full people. Yeah, like, see, rumor has it that he he was. Yeah. Oh, no, you can. There you go. Oh, go ahead, Connor. Oh, I was just gonna say that they were able to fool people and believing that he was. I was gonna Japanese. say like. Mm-hmm. Then we gotta delay. And you can say what you're gonna say, Jacobs. Oh, I thought you were already done because it, it's kind of lagging over here on my side. But um, but yeah, rumor has it that he was he was trying to be become the the largest wrestler in the world. I think rumor has it that that was his goal was to become the biggest wrestler ever. And he did it. Yeah, you know, I don't think nobody's mm-hmm. tra- attempted to break that record since. Well, this I, don't think, I don't think even Big Show, like Big Show, never even got that heavy, and he had the height advantage. So Yoko, I think, yeah, because yeah, it was so crazy. I think that he would eat like five buckets of fried chicken a day. Dang, around there, yeah, he would he would eat a lot of fried chicken. So. <laughs> But what, like, what, what about Viscera? Oh, Viscera. Viscera might have been. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Viscera might have got. Well, back when he was um, King Mabel. Mabel, like he was still King a big Mabel. guy, but he wasn't that big. Yeah, when he was Mabel, like he wasn't even that big. He was still a big guy, but he wasn't that big, like as big as Yoko. Like Yokozuno. Like it wasn't until like right. when he became like Minister of Darkness and then he came back as. Big V, like when you saw him come back as Big V, you're like that guy put on so much weight, a lot of weight. Um, Damn, and, and you know because and it and 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 that's what pretty much led to his heart attack was putting on that much weight and not getting the exercise and all that stuff. Um, it's really sad too because you look at all those wrestlers that could have done better health wise and. I think I'm not going to say that maybe other things contributed to heart attacks for most of those big wrestlers too. Cause I mean, we've talked about steroid trial with Vince McMahon and, you know, stuff going on behind the scenes in pro wrestling, you know, but you know, and all the drugs they used to use in the eighties and the early nineties. Um, but like, yeah, big, this was another one, you know, outside of Yoko Zuno. So, but the thing is, Big v, v was uh, Viscera was never world champion. So again, like I said, I think Yokozuna to this day is still there as the yeah. heaviest world champion that WWF has ever had. 
because I think Viscera was I think the, the yeah. heaviest um, Intercontinental Champion though. I think so. I don't even know if he won that title. I don't think he, he might won. have. I don't think he won. I don't think he won title. anything. Uh, yeah, I don't think don't he, think won, he won, any won any titles. He the only thing he won was the King of the Ring. Yeah. Oh, okay. King of the Ring. Yeah. But the biggest accomplishment, or the biggest thing I remember, King of the Ring built. Actually, like the like the most thing I remember is uh, New Year's Revolution, New Year's Resolution, New Year's Revolution, two thousand six. Uh, Viscera and uh, Shelton Benjamin's mom. Uh, if anyone remembers that, uh, if anyone remembers that, uh, well, you know what happens. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That was another weird moment. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a core memory I thought I had locked away, but apparently, Connor, you just brought it back up. 2006 was the, was a good year for wrestling for me. Like 2006 was really, really good. Maybe not that segment, but you know, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> what about the Big Boss Man? It's so crazy that a you know, a secu- you know, a jail prison guard was one of the biggest <laughs> villains. Fair enough, company. exactly. <laughs> you know, because on paper it should not work. You know, but it worked for a while. It worked for a while. Him and uh, him and nails. I remember yeah, him and nails. nails. They had a huge rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, nails. And then you know, and then to think, you know, he had it's a great hard to lock this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was more known just for what he stood out as a character. Like, I think it was more just, I don't know, it's, it's just one of those things like when you think like prison, you think of that ruthless, that aggression, and that nightstick. But after the golden era, I feel like his character kind of just went kind of plateaued a little bit. Went to know, look at me a little bit, didn't he? He was yeah, uh, he's in WCW for Big Bubba Rogers. Came back. Yeah, he had that, Bubba um, and the Guardian Angel. What was that match that he had with all the dogs outside the ring that decided to shit around the ring? Oh, kennel, <laughs> kennel, the Kennel from Hell match with Al Snow. Yes. <laughs> there was that. Which may be, oh, which, yeah. may be which may be why Al Snow that hates match. a lot of like gimmicky, like matches like that now because of that mm-hmm. uh be you know so but yeah no that one was horrible dogs or didn't do mo- anything for the best <laughs> moment when he decided to steal big show's dad's casket with his cop car and drive away with him oh, yeah, on top of it <laughs> oh man i mean that was oh, that was it. funny i can think is i couldn't help myself but laugh at that and i remember when i was when i, I remember when that happened my mom walked in at me laughing at that. And she was like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, mom, it's, it's wrestling. I didn't write it. Like, no, it wasn't his actual dad. Well, look, I knew his dad really did die, but was that the actual funeral? <laughs> no, his dad no, it wasn't his real dad. No, it wasn't his. It wasn't, uh, that would be too far. Well, no, look, I knew his dad. Well, look at Christian. Christian that was a real cemetery, though. Dads already, like most of them, did dads. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like we're Dude. sitting out with Christian and AEW talking about dead dads. So I mean, back That's then, a great it, point. It was shocker, but today <laughs> now it's just normal. 
dude, he needs to do a he needs to do a um uh, some kind of right. promo. We desensitized from now. <laughs> now he needs to do a Paul White promo. Oh gosh, Adam, see look at that. You're I'll do a callback on on his dead dad. <laughs> great callback. Oh man, I'm I'm surprised Christian didn't bring up Ric Flair's uh, you know, his uh, son. I bet Rick would not let him do it. I don't know. He's brought up a lot of dead people. Yeah, but I mean, he's had to get permission though first. He's brought up. Uh, I mean, Rick took that. Rick took Rick took that pretty hard, so I doubt he'll let that fly. Yeah, no. And Rick and Rick Flair is a big name in professional wrestling, you so don't. it's got to get approved by Rick, and I doubt he he would approve it. Think about it. Look what happened with just right. people being mad at, with CM Punk leaving AEW, right, and getting fired. Could you imagine that there was controversial stuff and issues with, with Rick Flair? Well, no. Well, no. Also, think about David David Benoit. Like the True. poor guy can't catch a break because of what his father did. You know, no. so it's like, and it sucks too. But it's the same thing with Ric Flair. Ric right. Flair's name is huge, but because of what happened with his son and the sadness and the craziness of it, he doesn't want to talk about it. Don't blame I do not blame at all. So, you know. Not at all. I think, yeah, I think the last really big guy that, you know, we have to really talk about, though, has got to be Andre the Giant. Yeah. Well, well the well, man Andre and then Vader. Vader Vader Oh, I forgot Vader. Okay. He kind of made yeah. his name in Vader, the late yeah. 80s. Yeah, he kind of kind of blew up in the 80s a little bit and then he was brought over to WWF and that's where he really shined. And also uh King Kong right. Bundy. He was King Kong Bundy. Bundy. Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam. Oh, I forgot about Bam Bam. I mean, he had that a WrestleMania match with freaking Big Lawrence John Stud. Big John Stud. Big John Stud, yes. There was a lot of big, bigger guys in the golden era. Yeah. There was a lot of larger than life characters. But but he's not, but Lane's not wrong. I mean, Andre was the one. Yeah. That was yeah. was right. basically the 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 name of giants in the eighties, and yeah, and it's crazy because if you if you've watched the documentary on uh, HBO Max about his life. It is crazy to see him at the age of sixteen. He yeah. was already like seven, like six, seven feet tall, and he was already like one hundred and ninety pounds. And they were showing footage yeah. of him at, at like eighteen years old chopping wood near his house, like, and it was just insane watching him go from that eighteen-year-old doing all the crazy stuff in 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 you know Canada wrestling to doing the states and getting bigger and getting to the size that he was at. I also think it's kind of sad too how he traveled. Like, yeah, he, I, I don't know how he traveled all the way to Japan twenty-four times, or over two, here two from seats. France. Yeah, he had to sit in two seats. He literally had to like sit like this. Yeah, like he literally could not sit straight in an airplane. Like I, like I remember in that same documentary that he couldn't go anywhere without a, you know, a bunch of people holding over him just because you no, know, he could never get any any privacy. He couldn't. I remember he told someone. Uh, in the documentary that he she could be normal. So he that's that. Just, he just I think I think it was Tim yeah. I think it was Tim White. Because Tim White was really close yeah. with him. Um the yeah. referee Tim White. He was really close with right. Andre because he was his handler back in those days. So he was talking about that that he's you know he'd call him boss, boss, you know, okay boss, you know, not today boss. Like 
Like he, him and Andre were really close. That man could drink so much. It was crazy. Like the amounts of alcohol that took that man to get drunk or feel anything. Like, how did you take medication? Because think about it. Even just taking medication, it's like he had to be in constant pain and agony. I think that's what came back to um, to bite him a little bit when his health declined later in life. I think it was a lot of the alcohol, but also all the wrestling. Like, I remember the documentary they talked about when he was filming The Princess Bride. Like, like he the one scene where he catches um, um, I keep forgetting the actress's name, but he catches her at the end. They had to put strings on her to lower them into his arms because his arms were just so weak. And so beat up from both wrestling and just he couldn't hold, you know, he didn't have the strength anymore. So they had put strings on her and lower her into his arms to make it look like he caught her. It's 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 great. Like that man. Damn, was, I didn't know that. Yeah, constant pain for sure. But he also like think about it, now he's, I think even without being a wrestling fan, everybody knows the name Andre the Giant. Yeah, everybody knows that. Every time you watch a WWE programming. You know, he's that first, he's part of that first video package with him and Hogan. You know, he literally will live Mm -hmm. forever. Well, again, and I just mentioned it was Princess Bride. It's such a cult classic that everybody that's seen that movie knows who he is, too, that they don't even watch wrestling, but they knew who he was. They knew he was. Like, he, I think he has the biggest figure in the Princess Bride collection. There was one that (laughs) came out, I think, last year, like... It was it was probably about 10, 15 pounds. Golly. It was massive. Like it was at Walmart. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't have the real estate to it. But it was it literally came in a box this big. It was Damn. massive. That says anything how like I'll go vote them at Andre Giant. And like actually like you know how like that like a statue and like that was like that was hand and you can put your hand by on I would like actually like to yeah. I would have actually loved to have met Andre the Giant. Because Yes. Talking about larger than life characters, larger than life doesn't get better than that. No. All right. Well, now that we've talked everywhere from Hogan, let's talk about Hot Rod Roddy Piper. I feel like he'll be the last one to close us off because what a controversial heel. You know, the way that, especially with, you know, his um, infamous now moment. I don't think we can say on air without getting demonetized. The uh, um, talk the uh, <laughs> well, he he did, he did a lot of controversial things. I think I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. I remember I remember yeah. him in Bad News Brown when he yes. did his promo. He was half, he did the, his face paint was half black. That yep. was that was a bit much. <laughs> that was that was the one. Yep, that's the that's the one that I know. That's what Lane was talking about too. I thought that's what I was he was like, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But look at look at you know Piper's Pit. Piper's Pit was like what one of the first like te- like almost like segments of its kind, like leading the way for like you know the um Talk mm-hmm. is Jericho um or yes. the highlight reel, sorry, the highlight reel. Or the Heartbreak Miss Hotel TV. with Sean Heartbreak Hotel. Yes. Yeah. You know, but in looking at Hot Rod Man, he he knew how to get under people's skin. I think I think he did a better job of doing it than Jerry Lawler. Nothing against Jerry Lawler, but Hot Rod yeah. was just such a, a presence in himself. Like he was very unpredictable. 
I'm curious. And it was and go ahead, Connor. Sorry. I was gonna say, uh, what is the one most memorable moment that you guys have of the uh, Piper's Pit? I'm curious to see what everyone says. Uh, it's gotta be the pint and the, uh, the coconut upside. Snooker's Jimmy head. Snooker. That's probably like the main one for me. That's what I was going for. Like that's the main one I always remember. Well, you, between Adam? that, between between that one and uh, the Bruno San Martino, uh, because Bruno was at the end of his career mm. in the late '80s, and him and Piper kind of had a segment on his on Piper's Pit, and they actually had a steel cage match. Um, that Bruno San it was basically one of Brand, Bruno San Martino's last matches was against Piper in that steel cage match at Bo- mm. at the Boston Garden. Um, but those are the two that stuck out to me with the Piper's Pit is him and Snuka and then him and Bruno. Yeah, him and Snuka is probably, I think, and when I think Piper's Pit, that's usually one that comes to mind. I mean, it's oh, funny also, too to uh, talk Hogan about it because... and uh, Andre the Giant. Yeah. True. What were you going to say? But I was, I was going to, no, I was going to say that it's funny that when he was over at Jim Crockett's promotion, like, and he came over to WWF. He originally came over as a manager, Piper. Uh, he was with uh, David Schultz and Paul Ordenoff. That he was basically with them and basically managing them. And then he kind of transitioned into the wrestling thing um, quietly, and he wrestled full time. Um, like it was because he was so good on the microphone that they gave him the Piper's pit. Like they're like, you're really good on the microphone. That's why punk like always mentions Piper because I think Piper is again, we'll talk about it is the predated CM punk. He was good on the microphone. He was, he was very talented in the ring. He can tell stories in and outside of the ring. Um, no matter how controversial they were. Um, and I think that's what kind of translated into punk's career. Um, basically as his voice of the voiceless character. And, you know, this, even when he was with Colt Cabana as the second city, uh, the second city saints, you know, saviors, you know, back in uh, um, ROH, you know, it's like punk kind of modeled his work after Piper. So as far as controversial as he was, Piper was really good at what he did back in the day, you know, and he, he carried it all the way through. Uh, his whole life um, up until his passing in 2015, you know? So it's like, uh, he is one of, anytime you hear those bagpipes play, you knew who you were getting. You were getting, it's kind of like when you hear cult of personality, you know who you're getting, you know, it's, you're getting someone that's going to put butts in the seats because you don't know what they're going to say on the mic, but you know, it's going to be golden and they're going to have something great in the ring. You know, I would even almost add. You know, I, I never thought that about that conversation. You know, I was, I was kind of thinking about it. like think about Piper, you know, Punk and MJF. It's like you want to know what they're going to say next. How many wrestlers have given like Hot Rod credit for their promo skills? Well, oh, you just said like, MJF. Yeah, MJF was one of them. I mean, the man talks about it as well. You know, the, he talks about. You know, people give crap to MJF about how he works, you know, as his character and in the ring and just how he, how he's a persona. 
but he understands the lineage of professional wrestling. He understands those that came before him, you know, like the Pipers, like the Flares, like all that. That's why his character is so good because it sticks to that kayfabe of pro wrestling that everybody believed in the 80s with all these characters. And MJF is just carrying that now into a newer heelish face, you know, kind of character where, yeah, you hated him, but now you love the guy, but he's still a dick. Like, like yeah. it's like, it is crazy to think that. You think of like a moment of when Hogan joined NWO, but when NWO, like when WCW was bought out by WWF, think of that moment at WrestleMania where Rock and Hogan were face to face. People were still cheering Hogan, even though he was supposed to be the heel in the story. It's like MJF. MJF is supposed to be the heel in most stories, but people were starting to cheer him because of how he presented himself as a character um, and everything like that. So, I mean, I think a lot of wrestlers today do respect some of what, you know, like someone like Piper did. I feel like if you're teaching a class on how to cut a promo, <laughs> people yeah. you have to you have to add in there. It's yeah, either sure. Dusty Rowe or Hot Rod or Hot Rod Roddy Piper. Yeah. You know, those two you literally have to you literally have oh. to you literally have to base your promos. You should be watching like, okay, this is how how does their cadence work with their character? How does the story relate? And someone like, you know, like an upcomer like you know, Maria Shavir, you know, we talk a lot and joke a lot about her. But if she can figure out how to come up with a character like that, you know, <laughs> she she literally could change her whole career around. Yeah, she could give us something to talk about. You all know? she has to do is do what I said. Go back to the shakeup of the all of the, uh, you know, the thing we did. Uh, yeah, the shakeup, the gimmick yeah. shakeup. All she's yeah. got to do is Serena Deeb under her wing, and there you go. Change the, the tights, change the whole gimmick. Team. No more of that stupid throwing your socks in the crowd and then people want to throw them back at you. No more of that. We're going to take things seriously. That would be the way. I think give her I think give her three more years. I think she'll be – I think we'll be talking about her in a positive light. I really do. Um, <clears throat> so cool. now that we're kind of talked about some of our – you know, some of our favorite, um, favorite talkers, I think the – Biggest and flashiest gimmick that money can buy. Uh We can't leave out Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, the man that could buy your happiness, the man that could pay you $50 to kiss his boots. (laughs) Just everybody's got a price, and the million dollar man really did prove it. Buying championships, trying to buy the main championship. But I think he even bought the. Um, you know, from what I from what was uh from what I've gathered researching. Yeah. No, you're good. There's a little bit of lag. Uh, <laughs> and from what I what I've been hearing, like the whole million dollar man character was man. You know that was kind of his little gimmick that he his his baby, I guess you can say. And you know, I don't know if anybody else could have played the main dollar man, but Ted DiBiase, honestly. 
Well, Vin, like think about it. Think about it. Vince literally gave him money, the tickets for the Jets, the limos. Like he literally gave him that lifestyle. Like he literally paid him to be rich and gave him extra shit. Like it's crazy. Like if you go back and listen to the podcast, um, because Adam was one, I think Adam was one of the ones that suggested doing the million dollar man. If you go back and listen to the podcast, um, he had, he literally had the gimmick given to him. And then it's like, here, blank check, buy everything, print money, Mm -hmm. make me money. Damn it. And he lived his gimmick. Sadly, he lived his gimmick too much because uh, fortunately, him and his son are in the middle of a lawsuit right now for uh, for yeah. money laundering. Yeah, I just heard about that. They uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, I seen on, on the news that they had some more news about that. Really? That, yeah, that uh, we know he got arrested. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. He got arrested, and then he. He got out by uh, bail. Uh, he posted bail. All right. You guys ready for a laugh? You guys oh. ready to... What's up? Uh, talking about the golden age, uh, it wouldn't be fair to mention this sure. person. He's behind me. <laughs> he will be on this podcast one day. Uh, he'll be the biggest attraction. He's the biggest attraction of all time in wrestling. He's bigger than Hulk Hogan. Spooner Samarti, he's bigger than all these guys. Like Moody Shavir should be taking notes from this guy. We can see him. Outback Jack, he is the best professional wrestler in the ring, outside the ring, in the woods, uh, in Australia. Uh, he is from Honeyboo, Australia, uh, Victoria, Australia, as well. Uh, one of the best in ring workers. He's better than MJF. He's actually better than CM Punk as well. And I'm a CM Punk fan. I'm saying that. Uh, you can't have the golden era, and you, you can't do the golden era without talking about this guy. Uh, everyone, he was kissing babies, shaking hands. He was doing it all back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, I'm not so sure he was shaking he was babies and, and uh, he was shaking shaking babies and kissing hands. No, the other way around. <laughs> he was uh, kissing babies and shaking. Hands. Anyways, he. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know what he's doing nowadays, but I know he's styling, profiling <laughs> better than the person who created that. <laughs> That whole stick. Uh, but if you're watching Outback Jack, hopefully you're doing well. Uh, I know you're living the Hall of Fame career. Uh, we wish you the best. Hopefully you you and Paul Hogan are coming up with a script for uh, Crocodile Dundee 3. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Well, that was a great transition, Connor. That gave us a good laugh. One of the greats. Um, oh, all right. I'm for real about all this. He's a really good wrestler. I take it back. He's not better than Sam Punk. Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, not, uh, it, it's recorded. We have words of you saying it. I said it, but. Uh, <laughs> he said it. Nope. You said I, it. I, I, I take it back on that one, but he's better than everyone yeah, else good. in professional wrestling history besides Sam Punk. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I have not watched him in the ring. I do apologize, <laughs> Mr. I've seen a couple of matches of his. Yeah, I've watched. Seen a couple of matches of his. And the best thing about his character is his theme song. <laughs> it's, it's my ringtone, literally. Like, <laughs> like it's it's the song of wrestling. Like people sing Judas, but they should be singing this, not Judas. <laughs> this song, well, then. this song is a lot better. It was in a better era. era. But could you imagine the fans singing this song? It is catchy. <laughs> I am going to have to go listen to it after the show is done for sure. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Um, let's start talking about the eh, <laughs> the bad, the one-offs, and my God, what was Vince McMahon thinking? It's a classic. The, the first one that comes to mind. We have to talk about this because Mark Calloway thought it was going to be him. Do you guys know who, what wrestler that was? The, the only one-off appearance of this wrestler. The gobbledygooker. Oh, God. <laughs> Coming out of a freaking egg at Survivor Series. I so, it's so funny to think that Mark Callaway thought he was going to be coming out of the egg. Golly. What a turn of events that have been. I don't even know who played the, the dang turkey. I believe it was Terry Taylor. It was mm-hmm. Terry Taylor? It was. It was Taylor. It was Terry Taylor, yep. Wasn't Sadly. he also the Red Rooster? He's like, I didn't want to be the egg, man. <laughs> Sadly, it was Terry Taylor. Oh. That was a. Uh, was he? Was, no, it's Hector Guerrero. Oh gosh! Like, I thought it was Hector Guerrero. Was it? Terry Taylor was the rooster. Was? Hector Guerrero was the gobbledygooker. Eddie Guerrero. Oh, you're right. Uh, I was like, did he play? I knew he played Red Rooster. Yeah, I knew the gooker was Hector Guerrero. I just okay, want to say it was Hector Guerrero. Hector Guerrero. That's sad. It's <laughs> very sad. Hey, nice man. man for you, you know. Ah, oh, you're, a, you're, a, you're, you got a very insane <laughs> lineage. Well, I'm gonna put you in a turkey suit, and you're gonna come out of an egg. Yeah, that, that's good shit. Well, what about the that's... Shockmaster? I mean, come the shock... on. <laughs> if you watch the video, if you watch the video of that whole thing going on. <laughs> You can hear, I don't know who it is, but you can hear who's ever backstage laughing. They are laughing Arnie their heads Anderson. off on microphone. No, it's Ole because, Yeah, it was Ole Anderson laughing in the back when it happened because he felt they're like, oh my God, oh God, this is not going well. Yeah, and Rick Flair was like, Ole oh Anderson. God. Yeah, Rick was going, God. Sting was like, this is ridiculous. But then Ole Anderson, you could hear laughing because of how bad it was going. Yeah. Because did that gimmick just die that day? Like, oh, yeah. I've seen yeah, no, it never, yeah. I've seen, the, I, yeah. I've seen figures and I've seen how they, they usually put them upside down the package and everything for it. But who who played um, Shockmaster? Was it Tugboat? It was yeah. Tugboat. Yeah. It was Tugboat. You know, I, yeah, was tugboat. I, think, yeah. I think Tugboat was kind of underrated. Yeah, think, he, yeah. he was really, uh, he, he was also Typhoon, I believe. With, there uh, yeah. Tugboat and Typhoon, yeah. Oh, speaking of, we just mentioned Earthquake. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty, oh, I forgot about Earthquake, yeah. Natural disasters. Uh, but uh, Tugboat, uh, <laughs> he was a really good wrestler. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. So, what, what was one of the the, the I think worst legend wrestling? has it that I think legend has it that Dusty Rhodes put a little put a little plank of wood down there at the bottom of the thing where the shockmaster couldn't see it, mm-hmm. and as he came out, the shockmaster tripped over that little plank of wood. Now, legend has it Dusty Rhodes nailed it nailed that plank of wood to the wall just just to rib him, and that ruined his career. <laughs> Or it could have been that freaking bedazzled stormtrooper mask that kind of did him too. Where you only have like that much vision to see out of. Yeah, no wonder those guys. No wonder those guys are always missing. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, 
That's why they yeah, never had kinda... kids. <laughs> Dang. Damn. Dang, Adam. You know, another one of those wrestlers that's like, why was this a gimmick? The goon. The who? Oh my the god. The goon. Oh, the goon dude. was a hockey wow. player, oh, Connor. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah I, I, the goon. I, I thought I thought you were saying to ooh, but you, I think I yeah. think I think it's because Friday the 13th was so huge in the 80s that Vince was like, we gotta have a hockey guy. Oh bro, we gotta have someone as a yeah. hockey. Freddy's or Jason's huge. We need someone like that. Like it's just so dumb. Like, is this the dumbest idea ever? It's worse than Robocop in WCW. Oh god, Robocop. We're talking about like ultimate jobbers. That was one of the most ultimate jobbers you could have ever. Oh no. He just oh, had to bring up Robocop and sting. Oh, why did why? Why? Because I can. <laughs> I prefer oh. the Texas Chainsaw death match that AEW had with the uh, Leatherface coming out. I prefer that over Robocop. Golly, yeah. what a stink. That, they, they, it was a, I enjoyed it, but man, like, the goon was a stinker. <laughs> the Brooklyn Brawler. Was he, was he, because he was actually a, a solid wrestler, wasn't he? Or a solid brawler, I should say. Yeah, oh, no, Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, he was he was actually like a legit like character back then. Like he actually was taken seriously, and then in the nineties he became a job. Yeah, person. yeah. Well, Brooklyn Brawler was like he he was like gay. True. Uh, poor Mister Jacobs. Oh. Yeah, he played a bunch of characters. Uh. My uncle yeah. met him one time, and he. And I mean, it, yeah. I think we're having some technical difficulties. We do apologize, folks. Um, but man, didn't Colt Cabana play the Brooklyn Brawler I have on a uh, delay over here? I'm pretty, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> didn't Colt Cabana play uh, Brooklyn Brawler? When in the nineties? Like no, like Colt Cabana for a Young Rock. Apparently, I thought I think Colt Cabana oh, he played. Did. Played uh, Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, I didn't know that. Correctly. Yeah, he was. I think he was in Young Rock as Brooklyn Brawler when they were talking about his uh, his debut. And Colt Cabana had it. He actually sold the gimmick for a couple matches. Well, I didn't, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty neat. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. You know, one that I don't remember, but I had the toy. I think of? so. The Mountie. What the f- was the Mountie? Canadian, yeah, on, on Canadian. Young Rock, I think. So. Oh, sorry. So, oh, dang. poor Mister Jacobs. <laughs> but what the heck happened with the Mountie? Like, I don't remember a whole lot of the Mountie. Like, I can't think of any moment. I can, I can see him standing in the ring, but that's about it when it comes to that memory. Not just like the uh, Texas Tornado, he did win the Intercontinental Championship somehow, some way. The Mountie was able to win the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> What? He won it. He he won it, and he only went one time. And like there was guys like him and uh, Texas Tornado and Dean Douglas and all these guys that somehow, some way, won the Intercontinental Championship. No kidding. Oh man, yeah, let's get this man. The Worker Man (laughs) Championship for sure. (laughs) Man, it's just crazy to think that. Um, what about what else? Who else? Might, who else are we missing that had the weird one-offs or like that you remember the character but don't remember their match? 
Doink the Clown. Doink and Dink. No, I remember Doink. Like that's that's a memory I remember. Boy, it never goes away. It's not even a one-off. He was he was around for a while, though he was played by many different people. He his his character stuck around. Boy, the Matt Born that was that Matt Born documentary was pretty depressing. What was mm-hmm. the one like? I what, what was the name that uh, you just said? Elaine Doink and uh, uh, Doink and Dink. Look, it was Doink. There was Dink and Dick, wasn't it right? There was evil Doink. <laughs> there, was, like, there was three of them. There was Doink, Dink, and Dick, right? I think so. I can't remember. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's see. Doink the Clown. I don't team. think so, Connor. <laughs> um, Connor. Um, and just like that. Let's see. Um... Oh my god. I gotta Connor, okay, Connor's on one tonight and I love it. Like yeah, I'm it was, not uh, gonna lie. Was, yeah, no, like like it, like it was a big thing at, at, at WrestleMania. So it was Doink, Dink, and Dick. It was uh, uh, no um it was uh he had a sidekick named Dink the Clown. Well, Doink was actually a really good wrestler. Wore a similar clown suit, the doink. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was. There was no. Well, like the person that played no Dick, Dick was uh, Big Dick Johnson. <laughs> you remember but, who that is? Yeah, he, he was the think... one that came out in the. You know, with Instant Man, he was a son. Yeah, and he wore the uh, kind of thong thing, and oh gosh, came out and... <laughs> oh man. The more you know, everyone. Yeah, the more you know. Oh man. But Doink, I think Doink was it was it was such a crazy character though. But Matt yeah. Bourne really played his character. It kept remember, it going. Like I remember Adam telling us a story about that, um, about Doink the Clown, about his real personal life. Yeah, it was uh, it was an episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, is what it was, yeah. and uh, it was about um, Matt Bourne, who originally played him, uh, who fell in like drugs and alcohol and all that stuff so yeah it was it was it was crazy definitely a good uh my ears definitely a good cool. watch so, oh, you're so good. that's why i took my headphones off they're a little sweaty and just eh. all right oh yeah you were talking about uh in case anyone uh Blaine was talking about earlier about uh you know, Cole Cabana played uh, the Brooklyn Brawler on the Young Rock series. I actually looked that up, and he plays the Brooklyn Brawler pretty well. Uh, yeah. There he is in the middle. Uh, Chavo Guerrero is actually in there. Well, Chavo does a lot of, like, it's crazy. That's just and this a little side tangent, but think about how many movies like that Chavo Guerrero has done the wrestling for and, like, the scripting for. Because I know he did... Um, Glow, he did um, the other, the with the heels, he did heels as well. Well, you know why he did Glow was because, um, he ran out his, of yeah, because, yeah, um, his he- Hector Guerrero, right? Was it? Yeah. It was, um, no, uh, what was his name who did the original training of the girls in Glow in the 80s? Mondo, it was Mondo, hmm. Mondo Guerrero. Was the original trainer for all the girls from the original Glow in the eighties. I did not know that. 
So basically, he discontinued on what one was was what his family was, did. Yeah, his family did. I could, yeah, so that's awesome. Well, yeah, there's a lot of characters. Mr. Jacobs, come back on. There we go. Yeah, let's see if that works. Welcome back, Mr. Jacobs. All right, must sound okay now. Am I on? Am I synced up? Because I was on huge delay. You were, yeah, you're still a little on delay. Hey, uh, like you heard all the things about Point the Clown, right? Like you heard all that sequence. <laughs> yeah, that I know Doink and Dink, but I can, I don't remember Dink. I don't remember Dick. Yeah, if he was there, he wasn't he? He wasn't that popular. <laughs> I think it must have been just brief because I remember Dink. He was really he was really hard to see. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, he was very hard to see. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of stiff competition. So, it's a lot of jokes there, but I'm not going there. <laughs> you guys are great. All right, guys. Well, um, before we uh, before we hop off for the night, um, let's do a quick round robin. And who who was your favorite wrestler of the golden era? Uh, we're going to start down below with the Bearded Wonder himself. Adam, who is your favorite Golden Era wrestler? Probably what a lot of wrestlers would say because he was kind of like a teacher to them was Dusty Rhodes. Uh, I, lo- I loved his character. I loved the polka dots. Um, his promos were probably some of the best promos outside of uh, WWF. Um, and he was just a well-respected person throughout the industry, even up until his passing. So I would say probably my favorite wrestler of the golden age was Dusty Rhodes. Very good pick. You know, think about how many wrestlers that Dusty Rhodes has touched over the years. How many talent has he helped and how many people now in WWE are huge stars because of him. So I wonder if shout Dusty out Rhodes to Dusty Rhodes. I wonder if Dusty Rhodes ever helped out Dick and, uh, you know, the, you know, the oh clowns gosh. and all that. All right, Connor. I think we know who Connor's favorite wrestler was. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of footballs uh, out there. Well, he's behind <laughs> you. He's yeah. behind you. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Connor. Who is your favorite Golden Era wrestler? I'll bet Jack. I'll back Jack. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right. If we're being serious, uh, it's probably Dick. <laughs> Or probably Dick. Oh my gosh. No. Uh, if I had to say probably, it would have to be, <laughs> it has to be Brandy Savage. Uh, oh yeah. It's really tough because there's a lot of good ones. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Wait, wait, what were you saying? Oh, I was playing the Outback Jack theme. <laughs> nice. Well, it's kind of, <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to uh, everyone else, but. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say Macho Man, but Outback Jack was a little bit more superior over Macho Man because uh, watch the wallaby feed. There we go. Watch the wallaby. He didn't. Macho Man <laughs> didn't have anything like that. He just said, "Oh yeah," but Outback Jack had had he had the kangaroos out there. He, he was out in the wilderness fighting for his life. <laughs> oh my god! But I'm gonna say Macho Man. Uh, but <laughs> Macho Man's my favorite, but. Outback Jack's the best. Outback Jack. 
All right, Mr. Jacobs, Mr. Five Star himself, who is your favorite wrestler of the Golden Era? Okay. Uh, man, I was always a fan of the madness. Don't you dare say it, Connor. It was never Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no, but I was always a fan of the madness. Yeah. And, uh, just just his whole the whole persona of the macho man was always captivating to me. And I was more a fan of his than ever of Hulk Hogan's. I always thought he was better than Hulk, you know, in my opinion. But yeah, it's got to be uh, Randy Macho Man Savage for me. Definitely a very good pick. You know, when you think personalities, Macho Man's probably the top of the list. No matter, no matter what era we're talking about, Macho Man was always up there for sure. You know, I think thinking about, for me, it's got to be Bret Hart. I love Macho Man, but there was something about Bret Hart when he was a champion. Like you felt like he was, I feel like he was, he should have been bigger than Hogan. Hogan, I think, was more for the yeah. kids, but I feel like Bret was for the adults, the hardcore wrestling fans, and just the way that he would move in the ring, his style. You know, a lot of him and his brother Owen. You know, if it wasn't for those two, we wouldn't have a lot of the modern professional wrestling, you know, storytelling and matches that we have now. You know. Yeah. So for me, Bret Hart definitely, I feel like he was one of the best champions of WWF history. And, you know, unfortunately, the screw job is very iconic. But his match with Shawn Michaels, you know, his definitely with his, you know, Iron Man match with Michaels, one of the best Iron Man matches of all time. So for me, it's the Hitman himself. I'm glad someone said Bret Hart because he's, he's well deserved of any kind of favorite spot. For sure. Well, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for Talking Elite tonight. Um, I want to thank Connor, Mr. Jacobs, and Adam for coming on. It was a lot of fun tonight to talk everything with our personalities and gimmicks from the Golden Era. It was a lot of fun. Um, we'll probably do one of the Attitude Era here shortly. Uh, but next week's episode is going to be a banger. We are talking Impact Wrestling, The Rise, The Fall, and New Rise Again. So we're going to talk everything with Impact slash TNA coming up um, next week here, 7 Central Live on the All Elite Zone podcast. Don't forget, coming up here on November 11th, we are having the corporate stooge himself, Brandon Cutler, on the podcast. So make sure you guys join us right before, um, before AEW so that way you guys can ask your questions, get to know Brandon Cutler, Let's have fun. Let's nerd out with one of the biggest nerds in professional wrestling. I, for one, cannot wait. Uh, Connor, is there anything you want to add? What's up? Is there anything you want to add before we sign off? Uh, yeah. Uh, I said there is another interview coming. Uh, there is one more interview before he was over. Uh, we've had a very decent amount of interviews this year. Uh, the last one will be in December. Uh, I think I'll be able. To, I think I'm ninety percent sure I'll be able to announce it in November. Uh, actually, I had a phone call with their agent. Uh, as I said, only Adam knows who this is. No one else knows who this is. Uh, this is the biggest thing we'll ever have on here until Outback Jack. Not in <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding about that. Uh, this person is a multi-time world champion, multi-time WrestleMania main eventer. He's done it all. Definitely subscribe down below uh, to uh, help us get more bigger names on here. 
I, I cannot wait to see who that is. Um, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, on X, and on Facebook. Uh, check out our links in the description below. Get up to date on all of our announcements. Don't forget, we have AEZ Canada every Saturday, our weekly watch-alongs, and talking late here every Thursday. Thanks again to my panel. And if there is nothing left to say, Adam, I think it's time to close out the night. So, Adam, say your famous words, and let's send us home. And I'm going to try this in my best Outback jacket accent. And it always, have a good night. Peace.